The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Welcome, everybody, to our 26th episode of Main Street Vegan Radio. This means we have had our silver anniversary, and and we're actually uh, established in the world. So thank you for being a part of this wonderful project. I love modern life because it's just so funky. I am sitting here today with two wonderful Co-hosts, you've met Alicia Leeds Myers. Hi, everybody. That's Elephant Belly, and we also have Derek Goodwin. DerekGoodwin.com, professional photographer. He is the web editor for Jiva Mukti Yoga, a vegan of seventeen years, and such a great photographer that when people go on Facebook and they always say. How do you do it? You never look your age. And I say, it's that guy with the camera. <laughs> yeah. Well, he has I a, think you look beautiful. Well, bless you. But you do have an age-proof lens and, and lots, <laughs> of, uh, lots of amazing talent. But we're sitting here on my dining room table in New York City with the Christmas tree and the Christmas lights and the kind of detritus of running two businesses out of a New York City apartment. And just as we were starting the show... The dog walker walked in, and we're, we're leaning over this microphone as if we're sitting around the fire waiting for Santa. So it's all very clever and wonderful, and thank you so much for being a part of it. So, Derek, thanks yes. for coming today. Well, thank you for inviting me. We're going to be talking to Rich Roll. Woohoo! It's very exciting. He's an inspiring athlete. He is totally. Our, our guest from last week... Uh, Annette Larkins, the the amazing ageless woman, emailed today. She said, I listened to the show and, and I misspoke. I said that I'm on the treadmill four to five hours a day. And could you tell people it's not four to five hours, it's four to five miles. And I wrote back and said, well, that's fine because our guest today actually <laughs> does probably work out four to five hours or maybe more. So uh, we'll be bringing uh, Rich on after the first break. So, it's a beautiful day, and it's the holiday season, yeah. and yet for anybody listening live, we are still in the national mourning over what happened last week in Connecticut. Yeah, Joy has given us an opportunity to pause in the midst of all of the Christmas busyness, just to hold some people in our thoughts and to perhaps give a thought about how we're participating in the holiday season this year. 
I know that Sharon Gannon, the co-founder of Jiva Mukti, just blogged about this. What did she have to say, Derek? Um, well, Sharon's view, uh, these incidents are part of, obviously, a greater um, drama that is played out in, in the human society. Uh, and she links it back to our the way that we use animals um, for food and for entertainment and all sorts of other ways. Um, just always seeing um, other beings as others and not uh, not <clears throat> as, as others that we can use and abuse as we please. And in yoga, we like to think of uh, the interconnectedness of all beings. So being able to... Um, <laughs> It's a a complex issue, you know. Obviously, you don't want to downplay the tragedy that happens to people in their lives, but to um, look at the world with more of a connective way of seeing it, how um, if we can treat other beings, any other being, with um, callousness and without thought, it uh, affects how we treat other other people. So that blog is on the is it jivamukti.org? Yeah, jivamuktiyoga.com. jivamuktiyoga.com. Well, maybe since you have so many connections there, you could get Sharon to be a guest on Main Street <laughs> Vegan one of these oh, days. I think she would love to be on your show. Oh, well, we would certainly love to have her. And if you would like to be a part of this conversation, our little pre-talk right now or or when we bring on Rich Roll in a very few minutes, give us a call 888 888- Five five eight six four eight nine, and uh, tell us your thoughts. Tell us what's going on in in your life and how you're processing things that are tragic and things that are wonderful, and how interesting it is to be human and to be able to hold so much within our psyche at one time. Absolutely, you know. And one of the things I loved about what Sharon had to say is that. For those of us who are feeling sort of helpless in the face of this tragedy in Connecticut, you know, when we take a look at how we're contributing to um, kindness or violence in our own lives, it really does give us an opportunity to make internal shifts and very personal shifts that can decrease the amount of violence that's happening in the world, um, whether it's in our own personal lives around the food choices that we're making or within our families or within our communities. There's always a place for us to extend greater levels of kindness. Well, it's true, and I think in our society, there's this push to do everything in a big way, to not just be gifted, but to be gifted on late-night television. And yet, I remember years ago, a woman who was looking at some illness in her life said, however this turns out, I have brought four wonderful children into the world, and I have made one man very, very happy. (laughs) And at the time, I was in my 20s, and I thought, well, that's not very much. But now I hold her in such incredible awe. And I actually thought of her last night in in the wake of what happened last Friday. I was out walking my dog. And I must say, I don't really like walking him at night in the cold. But it makes him so happy. And I really did think this is just one way to put a little more good out there in the world. And as you said, Derek, we're all interconnected. And if indeed that is the case, anything that we do for anybody somehow uplifts the whole. Yeah, every every little thing you do matters in the way that you interact in the world. The I think the person you are has more effect on others than anything that you could tell them or say to them. And I, I think that's a lot of vegans have trouble, you know, getting their message out because they feel like they can expose the truth and people will automatically change. But really what people are attracted to is is seeing other people who are happy and so if you're happy and comfortable and and you have this message and lifestyle that they'll be more likely to listen to you than if you're just talking at them i love that quotation from emerson where he said what you do speaks so loudly i can't hear the words you say yeah oh, i love that <laughs> i love that well 
Nine minutes is not very long when you're talking to interesting people. I'm so, so excited that we are about to go to break and then bring on our fabulous guest, Rich Roll. I do want to say before we do that, that for anybody who's listening live or anybody who's listening before January 2013 on our Stitcher or iTunes podcast, that I'm going to be a lot of places in January. Would love to cross paths with you. So if you are going to be anywhere near Pasadena, California... Marshall, Texas, that's near Shreveport, Louisiana, New York City, Dallas, or Coral Gables or Delray Beach, Florida. I'm going to be in all those places in January. So go to MainStreetVegan.net, click on the calendar, and you and I can get together. Who knows? Maybe we can even hang out. So stay with us now through these messages, and we'll be back with more Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listener support to broadcast the messages of unity to an awakening world. To contribute, visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. If you've tuned in for Touching the Stillness with host Reverend Paulette Pipe, then you know the power of her soul-stirring meditations. And if her programs leave you wanting more, you can purchase her meditation CD, Touching the Stillness, and you'll be able to take Paulette's calming voice along with you wherever you go. This enthralling CD contains three separate self-contained meditations that can either be listened to in one sitting or one at a time. Whatever your preference, Paulette's mesmerizing voice will transport you beyond thoughts and sounds to a sacred place of stillness and soul remembrance. So go ahead, enliven your meditation practice with the Touching the Stillness CD from Reverend Paulette Pipe and let the stillness touch you. To obtain your copy, go to www.unity.org and click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on shop. truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting, no more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for everyday attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Welcome back, everybody, and happy December 2012. I think we might even make it through the Mayan end of things. Yeah, a couple we'll, more days. Yeah, we'll <laughs> just see what happens with new beginnings. 
I'm Victoria Moran. You can find me on Twitter at Victoria underscore Moran, or you can check out our website, MainStreetVegan.net. I am here co-hosting today with Derek Goodwin, wonderful photographer. He's known for his photographs of farmed animals living in sanctuaries. You can see his photographs and books, including 95, um, which is about getting meeting America's farmed animals in, in stories and photographs, and also in Jenny Brown's The Lucky ones. We had Jenny on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, Derek is also the co-host of Vegan Radio. How long have you been doing that? Um, We started in October of 2005. We used to be an actual FM radio show in Massachusetts, um, but it was always a podcast from the beginning, too. Well, you were in that door early. Yeah, we were one of the first vegan ones out there. So we are a podcasting podcast because (laughs) today um, Rich Roll, our our guest, also has a fairly new podcast. And it has gone to number one on iTunes as a number one health podcast. Congratulations to Rich on that. Rich Roll is a wellness and plant-based nutrition advocate. He's also a writer, an entertainment attorney, a husband and father of four, and a passionate and inspirational ultra-endurance athlete. He's the author of the acclaimed book, Finding Ultra, and I just love this subtitle. You want to read this, Derek? (laughs) Rejecting Middle Age, Becoming One of the World's Fittest Men, and Discovering Myself. Isn't that grand? Yeah, I think Rich and I are about the same age, so it's, uh-huh. it's an inspiration. You're looking pretty good. I'm seeing yeah. muscles over there on you, Derek. <laughs> hey, Rich, welcome to the show. Hi, you guys. Thanks for having me. It's great oh, to be it's, here. Well, it's so much fun, not only to have you because you're so wonderful and I want to know so many things that you have to say, but the very idea that Derek and I are here in, in New York City, that our engineer Jeff is in Kansas City, and you are on Kauai. That's right. I'm actually... <laughs> I'm on, I'm on an organic farm on the north shore of Kauai, but we do have good Wi-Fi here, so it's the amazing. sky's sounding good. Yeah, 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 hearing you loud and clear. Well, I feel like if we can talk from all these three points around the globe, things like world peace and getting our act together shouldn't be that difficult. Yeah, it should be a lot easier, don't you think? Oh, I really do think so. So, Rich, there are a million things I want to talk with you about, so let me just jump in and hopefully give Derek a way to get a word in edgewise (laughs) as well. First, explain to people who don't know, what is an ultra-endurance athlete? Uh, Well, I suppose I could mean uh, many different things. In in my case... uh, I specialize in doing these really long triathlons, and most people have heard of the Ironman, which is, uh, for those who aren't familiar, an Ironman is a race where you do a 2.4-mile swim followed by 112 miles on a bike and then run a marathon, and you do that all in one day. And I, uh, I, I do races that are a little bit longer than that. Um, I've competed in a race a couple times called the Ultraman, which is essentially twice the distance of the Ironman, and you go all the way around the Big Island of Hawaii over a period of, of three days. And, uh, and then I did another thing a couple of years ago called Epic Five, where a buddy of mine and I did uh, five Ironmans on five different Hawaiian islands uh, and did it all in under seven days. So the point is I'm not very fast, but I can – Keep going. I just, I just, I can go real for a long time without stopping. And why can you keep going longer than a lot of people? Well, I think it's all those plants I must be eating. So tell us your story. How did this all come together? How did you get started? How did you go from regular guy to ultra? Well, it's uh, it's it's been an interesting journey. Um, I'm 46 years old, uh, but. Uh, uh, I haven't always been this crazy fit athlete. Um, I was a swimmer in college uh, back in the 1980s, but kind of when that was over with, you know, so went my, you know, athletic career and, and really didn't uh, do that much to take care of myself or retain any kind of fitness after college. It was just about work and job and climbing the corporate ladder and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and really the eating habits, uh, that I had, you know, during my twenties and my thirties were informed by 
my swimming career, which was a period of time in which I was you know, doing a lot of training and as a youngster, just putting whatever, you know, I could find into my mouth all day long and calories were king. And, and, and those habits, you know, kind of, even though I was done with my athletic career, I, I, I kept eating that way. And so by the time I was 39 years old, I was a good 50 pounds overweight and just kind of, you know, I was never like a super obese guy or, a, or somebody who was, would be, you know, like a candidate for the biggest loser or anything like that. But, you know, I put on quite a bit of heft and more importantly, I just, you know, I felt lousy. My energy levels were, were poor and I kind of walked around, you know, in a semi-depressed, lethargic state and, you know, really didn't do anything active or, or outdoorsy or anything like that. And it all kind of came to a head uh, <clears throat> just before I turned 40 where uh, I had a I had an episode where I was just climbing up the stairs to go to bed late one evening after a long, long night in front of the television eating, you know, fast food cheeseburgers and french fries and and my chest tightened up i had to pause like halfway up the staircase and you know i was sort of bent over and sweat on my brow and and you know it really had it was a scary moment where i thought you know I, I don't know if i'm having a heart attack but something is not right and i don't feel good and and i realized that i really needed to take stock of of my health and the way that i was sort of conducting my life uh, wholesale, everything from from the way I was eating to kind of my lackadaisical approach to staying fit, uh, et cetera. And, and that kind of began a journey that evolved into adopting a, an entirely vegan diet and, and you know, kind of my return to fitness and, and the athletic pursuits and all of that are really a result of making that decision to change my diet and, and adopt this new, you know, I hesitate to call it diet because it really is a lifestyle. You know, I changed my lifestyle completely. So did that happen? Did you start running and and then find the nutritional aspect or it, it was all just at the same time? No, I would have to say that, that changing, changing the way that I ate and my approach to food um, set the stage for everything that followed. Um, and, and it was because of this, uh, you know, it was, it was a result of cutting out the animal products out of my diet that gave me, uh, a boost in energy and a sort of a, a newfound sense of vitality that energized me enough to even have the desire to go out and, you know, put on a pair of running shoes or, you know, jump in a swimming pool once again. Um, so, it, you know, the, the, the focal point really was, was, was the food, was the diet. Um, and, and, and literally, when I first started doing this, I had so much energy all of a sudden that my return to exercising was really just a, a means of trying to calm myself down because I was bouncing off the walls and I just needed to burn off some extra energy. So it wasn't like I had this grand plan where I'm going to go back and be a competitive athlete again. I, I honestly just needed to, you know, it, I was doing it as a way to ground myself and, and, you know, maybe lose a little bit of weight. And the more I did it, the better I felt and the more I kind of wanted to do more. So it was sort of this snowball effect, I suppose. I love that. And I've said this before, but early in, in my change over, somebody said, if this touches you anywhere, it touches you everywhere. And it just seems like if somebody does something to change their life, then those dots are going to connect and the other things are going to come through as well. So if you want to start changing your life by having a conversation with Rich Roll, give us a call, 888-558-6489. So, Rich, before this change, you were doing some really unhealthy stuff. Can you tell us about that? <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. Well, I have sort of a checkered, you know, dark past. I've, I've had my struggles with with uh, alcohol and drugs, and, you know, I'm in recovery and, and have been for quite some time. But, you know, I abused my body pretty pretty readily for, for many years um, uh, and uh, had, a, had a pretty good advanced case of, <laughs> of alcoholism. That uh, landed me in rehab um, when I was about 31 years old, uh, and I spent 100 days in a rehab in rural Oregon, and 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 really kind of that was sort of the first step in in you know the beginnings of of a, of kind of a spiritual evolution that 
you know, adopting a vegan diet kind of took to the next level because for me, it's all, it's all a spiritual journey really. And, you know, adopting a vegan diet, a vegan lifestyle, you know, a, a more compassionate perspective are all just kind of outward, uh, aspects of an interior spiritual life. Um, but even after getting sober, um, you know, my life was sort of consumed with trying to repair the damage that I'd done and, and kind of, uh, you know, get back to having a, uh, being a responsible adult and, and becoming employable and reliable and trustworthy and repairing my relationship with my family and my friends, etc. And along those, you know, during those years, I really didn't, I just didn't, I, I sort of fell prey to the excuse of, well, I just don't have time to do anything else or, or get that, you know, I'm trying to build my career up. I'm trying to uh, get back the things that I lost. I'm trying to make people trust me again. And, and all of that happened. You know, I, I did get, you know, I did get everything back and I was able to fall in love and be in a healthy relationship and, and be close with my family again and, and be employable and, and all that good stuff. But but uh, I just sort of decided, well, I don't have time for, you know, attending to my health and, you know, it's not really that big of a deal. And, and I think denial is a very powerful thing, at least it is with me. And, and I would look in the mirror and say, well, you know, I, w- I would still see that, you know, 21-year-old fit collegiate swimmer staring back at me, even though, you know, I really didn't resemble that anymore. Mm-hmm. And I kind of carried that denial uh, with me and that informed my food choices. And, and I just, you know, I ate really poorly. Like, uh, you know, my favorite foods were, you know, fast food cheeseburgers and French fries and, and McDonald's and Jack in the Box and Pizza Hut and, and you know, whatever was quick and easy and cheap. And, and, and uh, I never really gave a thought to, to eating healthy or, or eating right, despite the fact that, you know, my mother would constantly tell me, you know, heart disease runs in the family and you've got to be careful and cautious about this because her father who had been a champion swimmer in his own right and captain of the University of Michigan swim team back in the late 1920s and an Olympic hopeful and an American record holder, like this amazing guy who, who remained fit his whole life and was not a smoker, uh, died of a heart attack in his early 50s when my mother was still in college. And, you know, he sounds like he was an amazing guy and a guy who I probably would have gotten along with really well, and yet, you know, he died long before I was born. But when you're young, that, that stuff just kind of goes in one ear and out the other. So it really took, you know, pain is the great motivator. At least in my case, it's really been the only thing that can really get me to change in any kind of significant way. Mm. And so it really took that kind of staircase moment for me to, you know, snap that denial and, and, and take an honest inventory of, of, you know, what I was doing to myself. A lot of people, to take the devil's advocate point of view, would say, okay, doing five Ironman in five days, isn't that a little bit like drinking a lot? <laughs> I'm sure you get asked this a lot. What do you tell people? Uh, it's very, it's, it's, of course, you know, it, I think people would not be, you know, thinking things through if they didn't wonder that or, or ask that question. And, and certainly, you know, I do have an extreme personality and, you know, I am prone to, uh, you know, be addictive and compulsive in my nature and my behavior patterns. And so I, so certainly I suppose that there is an aspect of transference there that, that, uh, that, you know, my therapist and I could talk about for quite a long time, (laughs) but, um, but, you know, I, I really look at it as, as, uh, you know, my, my interest and my sort of pursuit of these things came from a very kind of primal place inside of me. You know, when I was young and when I was a swimmer, I just, I loved everything about it. And, and, you know, as I matured and grew into adulthood, I kind of lost touch with something about that in which I found a great deal of joy and it was very comfortable. And, and, and so my journey has really been about, you know, kind of returning to that. And, and, and I really believe that, it's what I was meant to be doing and that, you know, I, I certainly have some kind of genetic predisposition towards it. I, you know, I have a, a I wouldn't say a gift, but, you know, I, I have an aptitude at doing it and I love everything about, about it. And there's something about 
the ultra distance endurance events that is sort of like um, going on some kind of extreme meditation trip to 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 you know a remote uh, mountain in India and sitting in a cave. It's it's a it's a way of really connecting with yourself in a very kind of primitive and intimate way. And and I think that it has been uh, an experience that has made me a better version of myself, a more authentic version of myself. And and uh, I think that the the interest in the story um, is kind of validation of that, like that there there's something valuable in that for me to share with other people that, you know, whether they're struggling with their health or they feel stuck in their life, you know, in, and, and feel kind of um, un, underexpressed, I suppose, is the word I'm for. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, they're like, oh, well, you do these crazy long endurance races, like, you know, so what? I don't, I don't care. I, I don't like running and, and, and whatever. But for me, they're really just metaphors. They're metaphors for, um, you know, kind of unlocking uh, that dream deferred that I think we all have inside of ourselves or that a lot of people just can never find the means or the time or, or the tools to access. That's beautiful. You certainly speak with authenticity. It's like listening to a meditation almost. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, when people in yoga, we have the, the, concept of dharma where you find this path that you were meant to be on and then and you just put your passion and your your spiritual sights on that path and it really you know it begins to resonate outwards to everyone around you it sounds like you've you've found your dharma your dharmic path there's there's no question about it and you know along the way there have been too many instances of sort of synchronicities that have occurred or kind of unexplainable little moments where things came together in an inexplicable or, or semi-illogical way that that, ha- that leave me convinced that it, it very much is you know the the, dharma, the my dharma and the path that i'm that i'm meant to be treading synchronicity is one of my favorite words second only to irrepressible <laughs> sounds like you've got a lot of both of those going on in your life we need to stop and take a break but we will come back synchronistically and irrepressibly mm-hmm. for more of main street vegan right here on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. Amazon.com or your favorite bookseller. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and 
practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan, right here on Unity Online Radio. I am here today with co-host Derek Goodwin. You can find out more about him and his fabulous farmed animal photographs or animals who are no longer farmed. These are um, Right. Sanctuary. Farmed animals. Ah, oh, the luckiest animals in the world. Barbara (laughs) Streisand should do something with that. Um, DerekGoodwin.com. And our special guest, Rich Roll. You can find out more about Rich on his website, RichRoll, R-O-L-L.com. Check out his podcast, the Rich Roll Podcast, on iTunes. And you can also subscribe to this very show you're listening to on iTunes and Derek's show, Vegan Radio. So you'll just load up your phone and and you can become an ultra-marathoner because you'll have (laughs) enough great stuff to listen to to just run and run and run. And also do seriously check out... Rich Roll's book, Finding Ultra, Rejecting Middle Age, Becoming One of the World's Fittest Men, and Discovering Myself. And talking with you today, Rich, I can tell that the discovering yourself really comes first there. But I want to ask you about this rejecting middle age thing. I don't know what word to use for for anti-aging. I just know I don't want to be anti-aging. I just don't want to age like the people in this culture. So what's this rejecting middle age thing? Well, I mean, for, you know, it's sort of surface level meaning of, you know, deciding like, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be overweight and unfit in middle age. But for me, it really, it's, it's a deeper thing, you know, and I think it, it goes to um, really uh, taking, like we were talking about before, like taking inventory of, you know, when you reach middle age, you're sort of, it's that natural time where people kind of, take stock of their life and look back and look forward and say, you know, what have, what have I not done that I want to be doing or how did I get here and where do I want to go from here and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and I think it was, uh, Henry David Thoreau that said, massive men lead lives of quiet desperation. And what is considered resignation is confirmed desperation. And I think I, I think about that a lot, and, and I think it's you know as true now as it was when he initially said it, if not more true. And I think that there are a lot of people and a lot of men, a lot of you know a lot of women as well, who you know we're, we live in this fast-paced urban society and 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 a culture um, that kind of puts us on a certain track at a very young age. Uh, you know, get, go to the school, get good grades, and try to get into the best college you can, and and then, you know, get the best job you can, the highest paying job, and, and, you know, climb the ladder and all that kind of stuff. And there's certain value in that for sure. And, you know, I'm a product of that. Um, but I also think that there isn't enough emphasis or priority placed on kind of the interior life, you know, and, or, or really uh, getting people in their younger years to acquaint themselves with themselves, to learn who they are, to find out, you know, what gives them a heartbeat, you know, what their passion is, what, you know, what their song is and what they have to offer. Um, and I certainly never asked myself any of those questions and, and, you know, found myself later in life, you know, when I had this health crisis, it wasn't just the weight and the you know, worried about my health. It was like, what am I doing with my life? You know, and where, what is this, what I'm here to do? I think, you know, the way I was eating, you know, food is 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 a, is the ultimate regulator of your emotions. And me, with an addiction history, I certainly was using food to, you know, repress or regulate, you know, my 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 emotional body. And when you kind of strip away, you're left with your feelings. You're like this live wire, and 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 you don't know what to do with yourself or how to process or manage that. And 
And I think in my case, it made me really, you know, look at my life. And, and I think, you know, part of my, you know, food issues were a result of, you know, being in a career or pursuing a certain, you know, lifestyle that was at odds with, you know, my true nature or, you know, what I, my dharma, I guess, so to speak. And so rejecting middle age for me means, means, you know, taking a hard, long, honest look at yourself and, and trying to reclaim, uh, or, you know, unlock, uncover, discover, and embrace, uh, you know, that, that, that sort of part of you that's yearning to come out, you know, and, and for me, it was being an ultra endurance athlete for other people. It might be, you know, writing the great American novel or, or, you know, being a stand comedian or learning to play the guitar or, or, you know, anything, it doesn't matter. Um, but I think it's sort of a call, it's a call to action, I guess, that life is short and, and, uh, you know, it's time to embrace your passion and try to bring that more into your life. So I'm not saying, you know, everybody needs to go quit their job or, and, you know, go live in a yurt on the North Shore of Kauai like I'm, like I'm <laughs> doing right now. But, uh, Sounds good to me. Yeah, find your own version of that for yourself and have the courage to, you know, bring that to the forefront in your life. As you talked about children not really being being shown how to find their their true meaning in life, and then you talked about being on Kauai, we were on Kauai when my daughter was eight, I guess, the first time, and then went back when she was ten. But I remember when we hiked the Nepali cliffs, she was all muddy and scratched up and so beaming. There is something about challenging yourself. And I know that you are doing, you and your wife with your children, what I did with my daughter, and that is homeschool. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, and, and just uh, before I even get into that, I just I just hiked in the Bali coastline a couple of days ago with my boys and uh, and share the, the, the same experience. And we were covered in mud and slipping and sliding all over the place, but it was amazing. I have four kids. I have two stepsons that are teenage boys. Uh, their uh, their father passed away uh, about a year ago, so they live with us full time. And then I have two daughters who are who are nine and five. And we uh, embarked on this homeschool experiment about two years ago, first um, as a, a solution for our now nine-year-old daughter, Mathis, because we had put her in a whole variety of schools over the years. But, you know, everywhere we went, there, you know, we just could not find a fit for her. She's a very unique child and, and uh, you know, very spirited and, and challenging, but also wonderful and and. And I could just see with every with every sort of institution that we would place her in, you know, it would be within a matter of weeks. I could see her 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 spirit start to lilt, and I could see her personality change, and I could see you know fear creeping in, and and all these sort of things um, that you know, listen, you know, a lot of that's just natural part of being a kid. Um, but in her particular case, it, it was we were causing her pain, and 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 we needed to find. As parents, my wife and I felt like we needed to find a different path for her. And so that's when exploring the homeschool, you know, alternative or option kind of, you know, dawned upon us. And for me, it's very, it's, it's a scary thing because I come from a very traditional schooling background. I went to an all-boys prep school where you wear a coat and tie. And, you know, I, I went to a you know, prestigious college and, and I believe in the educational system, and in, and in many ways, it's done me right. And I, I think there's problems with it, but but you know, I could tell that that, that was not going to work for for Mathis. And so we began homeschooling her, and then and and now we have our younger daughter doing it, and and now we have our teenage boys doing it too. So we're all doing they're all doing sort of different programs. Um, and when we were in Los Angeles, we were doing it in conjunction with a couple families where. We had a whole bunch of kids uh, coming over to our house um, several times a week, and the parents were pitching in, and, and it was ki- it was it was wonderful because there were kids that were literally ages you know fifteen to five 
who are all kind of in this experience together. And in our schooling system, you don't have, you don't see that. The kids are segmented by age and, and you know, kids are in classrooms with only kids their age. Um, and so there's something really neat about that. And it's an ongoing, evolving experiment. Um, and we're not doing it perfectly and we're learning as we go. But I think that in this you know, in this modern age when, you know, I, like you said, we're spanning all these time zones right now talking, there are online, re- there are so many online resources available that didn't exist even a couple of years ago um, that make it a, a viable option. And it's not for everybody. And, you know, parents, you know, I get emails from people, well, I, you know, I work two jobs or my wife and I both work. There's no way we can do that. And I understand that, you know, it's, it's not, um, it's not easy uh, because you're you're no longer abdicating your child's education to a third party or an institution. You have to take on that responsibility yourself as a parent, and that's a heavy thing, you know. So you need to, you know, you need to take it seriously if if you're going to do it. But already, I can see, um, you know, I I can see a certain. For me, it's all about the self-esteem of the kids. You know, I want to empower them. I want to help them find out what they're passionate about and, and support and support them doing that. Um, and we cover all the bases, the academic bases, but um, you know, it's 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 a cool thing. I think so it takes a it takes a, a a big step. You know, you really have to face your fears to step outside of the mainstream idea of what education is. And <clears throat> but it seems you know you you had. This wake up late uh, in your in your midlife when you're almost forty. So, <clears throat> seems like what you're doing for your kids might help them avoid that pitfall, and they can they can find their path early on in life in this in this way. Um, could you could you talk a little about how your um, where your um, wife came into the picture and how she. Was she? Did she have to evolve with you in this whole process, or was she ahead of you, or how did that relationship manifest through your changes? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, uh, you know, she's far more evolved than I. I will say that up front. Um, I, uh, yeah, I met my wife in a yoga class, and and my wife, you know, she she has always been a very devoted spiritual seeker, a yogi, you know, a meditator. And, you know, she's constantly reading this spiritual text or that spiritual text. And so she has always been into kind of personal expansion and growth in, in you know, in a way that was much more expanded than, than I was at that time. And she wasn't a vegan when all this, you know, kind of started happening for me. She would eat primarily vegetarian, um, but she was kind of my first resource when when I decided I wanted to kind of change change my approach to food and and she had done you know some juice some fruit and vegetable juice cleanses before and she kind of got me you know got me going on one of those and and really was kind of like my early mentor in in navigating from you know kind of the standard American diet to the way I eat now and and she's she's totally vegan now but um, she was really you know my primary go-to resource and i wish i could tell you that you know when i wanted to make this switch that i went and washed forks over knives and read the china study and all these sorts of you know things that are now available but you know mine was a more kind of organic process that evolved over you know six or eight months Oh, mine evolved over twelve years. So you were you were way ahead. Way ahead. Well, it's always it's still evolving. I should, I mean, I, I six or eight months until I was really completely vegan and committed to it. I guess yeah. I should say. Well, you talked in, in one of your blog posts about some superfoods, and I love superfoods. Just did a, a, a shoot web TV shoot with Joe Cross of, of Fat, Broken, Lonely, No More, and the topic they gave me was superfoods. Lots of fun. But, oh, my gosh, it's like being an ultra-athlete. You are talking about some ultra-superfoods. So just in our last few minutes, I, I want to just mention a few of these and let you kind of give us your one- or two-minute rundown on why we should be thinking of including these in our diet. The first one is natto. Oh, natto. Well, natto is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's a very uh, foul-smelling um form of of soy that is it's a staple in the in the japanese diet but it's definitely an an acquired taste but uh 
yes, it's packed with it's packed with nutrients. It's high in protein, um, anti-inflammatory, all sorts of good stuff. But um, you know, if you were, uh, you know, it, it has a, a very pungent aroma. So tread lightly, I suppose. Now, how well, about- but before we go on, <laughs> what does it do for you? Um, I have to look it up again. I wrote that post a while ago. Oh, I okay. I don't mean to put you on the school. spot. Yeah, no, it's fine. I just don't want to speak. I don't want to speak out of school without like making sure I say the right thing. So, um, but I could uh, certainly email you after. Yeah, that. Or, or you can all go to richroll.com and and check it out. Will you tell us then what's what's one of your favorites? One of my favorites uh, for for um, athletic performance. I mean, right now, superfoods are really in the consciousness in a way that they they haven't been um, uh, in in a long time. You know, everybody suddenly knows about chia seeds and maca powder, and so there's you know there's a fair number of like, really commonly known ones. But um, one of my favorite kind of less uh, you know less mainstream superfoods is cordyceps mushroom extracts. It's called cordyceps sinesis. Um, it's actually, they call it a mushroom, but it's really this bizarre fungus that grows on the back of caterpillars in high altitude in remote areas of China. <laughs> so I don't know who the first guy was to try to eat this stuff. There's got to be some interesting story about that, but it's been used in Chinese herbal medicine for, for, for a very long time for eons. Um, but, uh, Chinese athletes started using it in the seventies and the eighties. Um, and they, they, they found, they started doing tests on it and they, they found that, uh, it actually, uh, boosts lung capacity and increases oxygen uptake. So it's very good for training, for recovering, for boosting your energy pre-workout and also for recovering, um, post-workouts. So that's one that I, that I, um, that I actually incorporate quite a bit into my. Um, as far as Natto getting back to you, I think Natto is. Uh, I think I think as I'm recalling, um, it is really it, it sort of acts as a, a blood thinner that can prevent blood clots, uh, and so it's it's good for devouring arterial plaque and and promotes heart health. Well, it was a great post. So so go to richroll.com, everybody, and, and check out these superfoods. Yeah, is there. A way to get the cordyceps without the caterpillars. I'm sure our vegan <laughs> well, uh, listeners are going to want to know. No, they do. What they they do, um, they they grow it. You know, they they can now basically it's it's a fungus that they can scrape off the back of the caterpillar. They don't have to cut the they don't have to kill the caterpillar or whatever, and then they can grow it in a lab, like in a controlled environment. So it, it actually um, it, it doesn't involve like you know killing animals or anything like that. Uh, and that's how most of it is is sort of sourced and manufactured now. So just here, and, and we don't have a whole lot of time, but what do you actually eat? We know you're plant-based and we know you work out a lot. What fuels that? Well, I eat a lot, of, you know, a wide variety of plant-based foods close to their natural state. Um, you know, my protein needs are a little bit higher than the average person, so I try to focus on uh, plant-based foods that are high in protein, like lentils and and black beans, lots of lots of different kinds of beans. Um, and I eat lots of dark leafy greens. Uh, I do a lot of blended drinks in my beloved Vitamix blender, and you know, kale is a, a daily morning staple. So, lots of fruits and vegetables, lots of berries that are high in antioxidants for after you know post workout. Um, and whole grains, brown rice, lots of quinoa. I actually eat quinoa for breakfast as a breakfast cereal with berries on it and almond milk. And some That's cheese. what I had this morning. Yeah, there you go, right? Whole it's Foods, a fad. They have it at the Whole Foods uh, hot bar, breakfast bar. Oh, they do? Oh, yeah. excellent. <laughs> they learned so, it from you, Rich. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah. I mean, it's not um, it's not anything crazy or exotic. You know, I'm a busy guy, and we have lots of kids, and and you know, a lot of times it's you know the the meals that we prepare are pretty basic and simple. And like I said, you know, the food's pretty close to their their natural state. Um, I try to avoid you know too many kind of processed veggie meats and and cheeses. Although you know, I enjoy those once in a while, um, but I try to keep it you know pretty clean and, and avoid the processed foods. That sounds 
pretty clean. Rich Roll, you are fabulous. I hope you will come back again and grace the Main Street Vegan program. Thank you so much for your time today. His website, everybody, is richroll.com. You can also check out the Rich Roll podcast. Subscribe to that on iTunes. And while you're there, you can subscribe to Main Street Vegan and also to Vegan Radio, the (laughs) show of my wonderful co-host, Derek Goodwin. Check out his photographs at DerekGoodwin.com. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you and give my best to your significant other, a vegan lifestyle coach, graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy. (laughs) Absolutely lovely. So this is our last show before the holiday break. We will be back on January 9th with pharmacist Dustin Rudolph, whose site is pursueahealthyyou.com. How cool to have a pharmacist with all sorts of non-pharmacological pro-vegan things to say. That's January ninth. In the meantime, God bless you. We've just been through Hanukkah. Hope that was lovely. May you have a blessed solstice, a holy Christmas, a blissful Kwanzaa, a happy new year, and a fabulous epiphany. Epiphany is my favorite holiday. It's January 6th. It's when the wise men got to the baby Jesus with the gifts. And I really love the idea that on the calendar, there is a day when we are invited to have epiphanies. A vegan epiphany. A vegan epiphany, (laughs) a world-saving, world-loving, self-appreciating epiphany. That is my wish for you for today and for this new year coming, 2013. When we're back together again, it will be the new year. I love New Year's. New attitudes, new hope. Maybe we'll try Natto. I went vegan on New Year's. Did you? What year? Uh, 1996. Woohoo! Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being with us. God bless you, Rich Roll. You are just very inspiring. Keep rolling. Thanks so much. Yeah. (laughs) Great to be here. Thanks for having me. It's really fun. Thank you, and thanks to everybody at Unity Online Radio. Happy Christmas to all of the Unity people there in Lee Summit, Missouri. And we'll be back in the new year with more Main Street Vegan Radio right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. God bless you, your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Reverends Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. may happen around you, things may happen to you, but the only things that really count are the things that happen in you. This meditative moment from Reverend Eric Butterworth is brought to you by Unity.
Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and to join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you. Each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music. It's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Music speaks louder than words when you Do you want to deepen your connection to the divine, speed up your progress on the spiritual path, then tune in to the Spirit Matters podcast. I'm the host, Philip Goldberg, and I interview experts with wisdom, insight, and practical guidance for every seeker of truth. Spirit Matters on the mindbodyspirit.fm network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 